Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Using material science to help make industry more efficient and environmentally friendly. Using nanoparticles can help make oil and water separate efficiently and easily, which could help with everything from filtering to cleaning up after oil spills and even fracking. Plus, finding out a way to make more powerful batteries using potassium and rusting steel. One of the latest technologies, which is also very controversial in different circles and countries, is hydraulic fracturing or fracking. You've probably heard about it uh, as being discussed as a potentially environmental disaster waiting to happen or a great new opportunity for expanding new areas with oil and gas exploration. And hydraulic fracturing is very, very common in the United States, not really regulated on land in the UK. In some states in Australia, such as New South Wales and Victoria, it is banned as well. But it is something that's being done quite a bit, particularly in North America at the moment, as a way to unlock new reserves of natural gas. And why it's called hydraulic fracturing is basically you drill down past the water table through the rock layers to shale, which is a certain type of rock. Uh, Then you start drilling sideways and make this really long tube. You then punch holes in that tube uh, or break some of it, much in the same way as you would have like a garden hose sprinkler and leak out uh, some liquid at high pressures, which is mostly water with some additives in it and sand, And basically that seeps out into the rock, melting down the rock and releasing gas. That gas then flows back up the pipe which you capture. And that's the principle of hydraulic fracturing. The problem is that that liquid that it's pumping down there at high pressure is water. And as you may know in Australia, we are particularly fussed about water being a precious resource. There are also some concerns about risks of water leaking out into the water table, which may lead to contamination of local water resources as is a potential risk, though that shouldn't really happen if you seal up the well pretty well, and also concerns about whether or not this may induce earthquakes. And there have been some noted vibration clusters, earthquake clusters around some hydraulic fracturing hot zones or areas where lots of digging is going on. So there are a lot of risks and concerns about this, but fundamentally, one of the biggest ones is that, well, when you have all this water you've just pumped underground, got oil out with it, then you end up with this, all this bunch of dirty water. And dirty water isn't good. Because that means then you can't use it for farming, you certainly probably can't use it for drinking, and just in general, it's making a mess of a precious natural resource. So whilst hydraulic fracturing may be potentially environmentally dangerous, or potentially a great economic burden, we can't get around from the fact that oil and water just don't mix well, and then separating them apart again is, if you've ever washed up an oily pot after cooking, you'll know what it's like. And this problem also exists for other things, such as oil spills on water. Getting the oil off the top of the water surface is a difficult exercise and you only have to go back to things like the Deepwater Horizon spill to just see how damaging that can be. And we've talked a lot about oil spill recovery techniques on this program before. But the reason why we're talking about fracking is not to really debate the economic or ecologic benefits of such a technique. Let's assume that you have something, no matter whether it's normal drilling or fracking or something where you produce oil, which like it or not is still a major part of our economy. You still need a way to separate oil from water cleanly. Some new research from the Cockrell School of Engineering at the University of Texas have come up with a way to cleanly and simply separate out oil that has been mixed with water. And 
This has huge benefits potentially for fracking to make it a lot cleaner, safer, and renewable, as well as ways to help improve our response to any potential oil disasters. So this is a great potential new technique that's been developed, and it relies on magnetic nanoparticles to basically act as a filtering mechanism. So let's take a step back. What is a nanoparticle? Nano is a prefix which literally means 10 to the negative 9, right? So nanometers are anything that are smaller than 10 to the negative 9 meters, right? So that's a lot of zeros, nine zeros in front of one, right? So it's a very, very small object. We take particles of this size and we coat them with different chemicals such as polymers or a variety of different things. And for example, in sunscreen, we might use certain uh, UV reflective coatings inside them. And nanoparticles basically are an efficient way to really make filtering or other techniques on a small scale. And it's been used in a lot of industries before, but it's the first time that we're trying to apply it to separating out oil and water. Generally, at the moment, we can filter out and clean probably 95% of the water, but the remainder has these small oil droplets that are extremely difficult to extract. And it makes water treatment and disposal even more challenging and environmentally whiskey because you can't just dump that water. Even though you got rid of the bulk, the big cluggy messes of water, you haven't really solved the, the really small stuff. And that, that last remaining 5% can be quite dangerous and deadly for environment and for people. So the, this technique is focused on getting the hard stuff, the stuff we can't get with conventional filtering or can't clean up with booms and other techniques easily. So as the lead researcher, Sabum Co., who's a research associate in the Department of Petroleum and Geosystems Engineering at UT Austin, have been investigating the way to use basically magnetic nanoparticles. Nanoparticles are these very small particles that are coated with a, a ferric material, so they become magnetic. And what they end up doing with these is sort of acting like cleaners on a really, really small scale. The nanoparticles, which are magnetic, get collect around them all the small little oil droplets and particles. These really small oil droplets that we can't get with conventional mechanisms. They sort of soak them all up. But since they're magnetic, then what you can do is then, once these little nanoparticles have soaked up enough oil around them, or these micro droplets of oil, you then pull them all out of the way by using magnetism. So then you can separate out these soaked up little oily nanoparticles and leave the fresh water on its own. And this is not a new technique. We, we've used this kind of technique. It's referred to as high gradient magnetic separation. And in mining, we use this to extract out precious metals from crushed rock and ore. And in the food industry, we actually use the same thing to remove toxic or heavy metal particles from the food as well. But the, the advancement here is designing surface coatings for the nanoparticles, which draw in the oil droplets and make sure that they stick to them using electrostatic force. Their team coated the magnetic nanoparticles with polymers, which have a positive surface charge. So then these positively charged nano magnetic nanoparticles can latch on to any of the negatively charged oil droplets that are just floating in the water around them. This is kind of similar how to how a dust trapping cloth works. The dust trapping cloths have a slightly positive charge and they basically attract through static electricity all the dust around it and collect it all. So when you're cleaning, it makes the, your job much easier. It's just doing the same thing, but in water with the added advantage that this cloth is then magnetic. So you can pull it away really, really easily and collect up all these little cloths scattered everywhere. And it's a really genius idea because it's leveraging the simple particle properties of these particles and magnetism to make a really simple but effective filtering mechanism. Now, the interesting part about this as well is that 
you could change the properties of the nanoparticle and then all of a sudden, instead of attracting these oil droplets, attract something else. So if you're looking at chemical spills or any other type of cleaning filtering application, the applications of this technique are quite large. More importantly, this serves as a really, really useful mechanism for large-scale cleaning operations after any type of oil spill, as well as making just general oil production safer. But you could even apply this same technique to water to act as a filtering mechanism to take out things such as lead from contamination from water as well, which is also very, very important for helping deliver safe drinking water, which is of particular concern for certain regions in the United States. So this is some great work from the University of Texas at Austin, digging into how to separate and clean up difficult mix of oil and water. More and more in our world, we have devices that depend on a very efficient and small source of power and for our mobile phones smart watches even cars or maybe even grid scale renewable battery charging technologies there a lot of them are relying on lithium-ion batteries and lithium-ion batteries are amazing they work on the displacement of lithium ions and while charging the lithium ions move towards the graphite electrode where they're stored between layers of carbon when they discharge they then release that energy and go back to float in the, in the rest of the battery area. But the problem is this all depends on lithium and lithium is expensive and it's a very rare material. So our reserves are limited. So if we want to have a really cheap and efficient source of power, we're going to need to find something that performs just as well as lithium, but is a lot easier to make and more readily available. Now, scientists have been thinking, well, maybe sodium ion batteries, sodium, which you may be very, very familiar with in the form of table salt, which is a form of sodium chloride. Um, sodium is much easier to, to use, but we haven't quite nailed that technology yet. Just below sodium in the periodic table is potassium, K. And potassium is very, very inexpensive and hugely more abundant than sodium. And potassium ion batteries would be incredibly superior from an electric perspective because as a larger atom with, with more things with more neutrons and electrons in it it would be better to use but it's not really ideal because it's a larger atom and the larger radius of the potassium ions it poses a problem for the design of actually these batteries themselves and the problem is that well because it's so large repeated storage and release of the ions destabilizes the material that's used in the electrodes and that's makes it inefficient in the long run as a battery source. But some researchers from the Chinese Academy of Sciences and Jilin University from Shangchun in China have been investigating how to solve this problem and repurpose potassium to make it into something that's more stable and more beneficial for the use of these batteries. And this research has been led by Jin Bojan. Now, Jin Bojan and his team have found an elegant solution to make these new types of electrodes. And the way in which they've come up to make these electrodes for their batteries is to take something that's lying around and basically rusting away. Yes, steel mesh 
leftover from other processes making filters and sieves. Steel mesh that is corroding and dying. And steel is pretty resilient, but after time and exposure to harsh chemicals, it starts to corrode. But the best part about that is that corrosion is actually useful. Zhang and his team have been focusing on using reclaimed metal, putting it into a furnace and converting it into electrodes for batteries. But the problem is, well, this putting into a furnace and so on, it's expensive. You don't want to have to throw your thing into a furnace, melt it down, burn a lot of time, money, and energy, as well as producing emissions to make this. If we could make these electrodes into a more ecologically and economically sustainable form of recycling, it would be a lot better. So what they came up with was an innovative method of using this corroded mesh and the potassium in a direct way. Basically, you take the mesh and you dip it into a solution of potassium ferrocyanide. It's it's like a potash. It's a it's a fining agent often used in wine. Now this potassium ferrocyanide actually dissolves iron, chromium, and nickel ions out of the rust. So it takes them away out of the rust directly, and these combine with the ferrocyanide ions in the complex salt, makes something called. Prussian blue, which, hey, is a nice dark blue pigment um, that's sort of deposited on the surface of the mesh. And it does this in really cool nanocubes, like a scaffold on the surface of this rusting mesh. The interesting part about that is that scaffold can fit easily potassium ions that can be slotted into and slotted out of as a part of similar way to the electrode plates that we have in a lithium-ion battery. That mesh is the right size for the potassium ions. They then use a dip coating process to put a layer of graphene on top of this. This sort of nestles tightly over the top of the nanocubes. And the important part about this process is it increases the conductivity and allows for some ultra-fast electron transport pathways. Basically, gives a layer that helps conduct the electrons away from this mesh and into the, basically, the collection device for the battery. Now, they made a few test coin cells in these electrodes, and they basically are able to discharge voltage pretty well and have outstanding cycle stability because they can charge or recharge very, very easily without any degradation. And the best part about this is they're inexpensive and they're binder-free, so they're very, very flexible in the design and shape that you make them into. And they're using rusted metal, and so they're recycling metal in the first place. And that's really, really useful in a number of ways. So it just goes to show that you can repurpose what would otherwise be waste, rusted steel mesh from filters, and turn it into a new way to help make batteries that are even as good as the ones we have today, but a lot more cheap, readily available, and environmentally friendly. Some great work being done by the Chinese Academy of Sciences and Jilin University from Shangchung, China, published in the recent journal Agavente Chemi. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. New ways to filter water using nanoparticles and magnets, plus how to get a different and more efficient way of charging batteries out of recycled rusting metal. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.